2014 Faith Forward podcast series. The following presentation was recorded live at the 2014 Faith Forward gathering, which was held in Nashville, Tennessee. On May 19th through the 22nd of that year, hundreds of conversation partners from across the globe and spanning dozens of denominational traditions gathered to question, share, and be inspired to reimagine ministry with youth and children. This podcast episode features Anne Streety Wimberly's presentation at this gathering, which she titled Village Vitality, Stepping Forward in Cross-Generational Rhythm. Being a part of emergent Christianity is not easy because it requires a lot of responsibility. And through this week, we had a taste of it, reminders of the responsibility that is ours. It makes us think that our buckets are pretty heavy. We've got a bucket list that we've got to fulfill and carry out, and it's heavy. It calls to mind a prayer. Stand up, please. Put your hands up in the air and say after me, Oh God, I lift my hands to thee. No other help I know. If you withdraw your hands to me, where will I go? And God answers, I've given you a village where the incarnational presence of God exists. And the village has been with us, among us, and we are it, have been it, this week. Reach out your hand on either side and touch the person next to you. And say to the person on your right and left, you are part of my village. <laughs> Doesn't that feel good? And as part of the village, it's a village of caring, it's a village of touching, it's a village of feeling. So reach forward and massage the back of the person in front of you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, those in the front row didn't have anybody to massage, so turn around and massage the backs of the person in front of you. <laughs> All right. Let's be seated. Didn't that feel good? Just as we have experienced the village here, this is the village we want to take back and make sure that it is accomplished where we are. And villages are villages of story, and they involve the congregations, and they involve the families. They involve the children. And remember, Paul still reminds us in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, 
verses 14 to 20, that we really do belong to each other. And we can't get along without one another. Phyllis has reminded us, and we've had as reminders throughout this week, that story is essential. Narrative is an essential part of village life. And so for the remainder of this time together, I'm going to invite us into more story that connects with village life in the congregation and in family. And I'm going to share some of my own stories and stories that I know as a way of inviting you to remember and to consider how you will do the same when you return to your places of ministry. It seems to me that if we're in a village, that works. It's a village that invites, embraces, supports. I remember as though it were yesterday, Anderson, Indiana. That was my place of birth and where I grew up. And from small children up to 12 years old, the Sunday school teachers watched us and cared for us and taught us and visited us. And at 12 years old, all of the young people were called to the front of the church. And the pastor and the oldest members of the church came forward with us. And of course, I can hear the pastor now saying, young people, you are valuable creations of God. You are beautiful. You're important. And God has something for your life. Get ready. And I can hear everybody say, that's right, Pastor. Hallelujah. And then hands were laid on us as 12-year-olds. And the oldest member who was told by the Sunday school teachers what they saw in us, called out our gifts. And for me, there were two, the gift of music and the gift of teaching. Because you see, my mother had to begin to teach me piano at the age of four and a half. And hmm, praise be, now looking back, not at the time, at about five years old, I could figure out Jesus loves me on the piano, and I was asked to play that for the children's choir to sing. Then at seven years old, I was asked to play a hymn on the piano for the whole congregation during morning worship. That piano bench grew. It was so big bigger, biggest that it could ever become. And I thought, I'm never going to get up on that bench. But for some, some reason, I was able to do it and I played. So music was one. But I was always running around teaching somebody something and saying, you ought to do this and you ought to do that. I think they thought I was a busybody. But they saw the gift of teaching. Then after the gifts were pronounced, 
for the young people who were 12 years old. Then the congregation went about creating opportunities for you to further develop your gifts. Would you believe that I was actually assigned to the adult Sunday school class and became an apprentice to the adult Sunday school class teacher? And then on occasion, he would give the questions to me and I would raise the questions for the class to answer or to become in conversation about. And then at 12 years old, not shortly after that particular liturgy, the congregation sponsored me in a piano recital. I say that because the village of the congregation, if we really look at young people as a part of the body of Christ, then we welcome, we embrace, we support, we encourage, and we find the ways to do it. Now for a moment, I want you to reach down in your bucket of lists and pull out one idea that you already have and then put it back in and think about another one to put in. Close your eyes and think about it. Throughout this week, I've heard the word liberation a number of times. And what that repeated reference to liberation means that somehow being a village means liberating children to be who God created them to be. Let me tell you another story. Each year, my husband and I go back and forth to Africa, most often to South Africa. And my first visit there way back in 1998, I visited a church, one to which we go quite frequently, in Alexandra, right outside of Johannesburg. And during the morning worship, the most interesting thing happened. The children were all there, the youth were there, the parents were there, the grandparents were there, the aunties and uncles were there. But all of a sudden, the little children began to move around the sanctuary. Hmm, that's interesting. And I waited for someone to go and get them and bring them back to their seats, but they didn't. They roamed around, they looked, and they inspected the altar, they walked around and they grabbed the hand of someone sitting in the congregation. They walked up to the podium and looked up at the pastor they were not disruptive. Somehow in that sacred space, they were simply in awe and they were discovering this space called worship. When the worship service was over, I couldn't wait to get to the pastor and I said, Maki, his name is Maki Masango, Maki, what's your theology about children in worship? He said, worship is God's playground. It's the ground in which God enters and comes and plays with us and invites us to play and explore and discover. And so if it's God's playground, why shouldn't children play and discover and explore? And so they did. It revolutionized my way of thinking about liberation of children 
in the village. One of those Sundays when we went back to Africa, my husband was preaching, and one of the little children went up to him and promptly grabbed his legs. Oh, they would, he was just holding on for dear life. Wasn't moving, just holding. Fortunately, my husband kept preaching. It didn't bother him at all. And then just as swiftly as he held on for a while, he let go and then went about his way. Liberation. For a moment, pull out of your bucket of lists something that you are going to do, you've already thought about, to liberate children in your village. And then put it back in and think of another way that comes to mind. In this emergent Christianity era that we're in, it seems to me that the village is also about expanding its boundaries, expanding the boundaries of the congregation. Let me tell you a story. In Brooklyn, New York, a youth pastor had been a drum major in college. And because there were so few youth involved in the life of the church, he got the brilliant idea, why don't I use the drum that I know so much about, and I love being a drum major. And so he invited youth. He went around in the neighborhood, and he was appearing at the schools and, and at the playgrounds and so on, and said, come, come drum with me. Well, the first time, there were only five, but he had pairs of drumsticks, and he began to teach them the rudiments of drumming on the table. The next Sunday, there were eight still drumming. And in between, he was talking about Scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, which happens to be my favorite one. You're drumming, for surely. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Next couple of Sundays, 10. Well, as the story progressed, someone heard about what he was doing and decided to get them some real drums. And so they began drumming again. And the young people began to pass on the word. Hey, this guy is pretty neat. He's cool. We're doing some really cool things. You better come. That group grew to 45 young people. And somebody else heard about it and purchased them uniforms. The congregation became excited. They wanted them in worship service, so they drummed in worship service and they began to be called the Christian drumline, God's drumline. And they recited scriptures, they told their stories, and they drummed. Then they decided, well, can't we have a block party? Because we want the community to get involved in all of this. So they had a block party planned for it on the surface of the streets and in the parking lot of the church, and the whole community came. And God's drum line 
became a big community event and experience. Then the schools heard about it. And for PTA meetings, they invited God's drum line. And then they performed at Yankee Stadium. There's something about being the real village that invites us to expand beyond where we are. Now, reach back down inside your bucket and pull out something that you already have put in there for expanding, then put it back in and envision something else that you will do to expand beyond where you are. In this emergent Christianity era in which we now live, it seems to me as well that to be the village means that we extend the connections that we already have and may have forgotten. Let me tell you a story. In one of the congregations in which I was a part, the youth were dismissed one Sunday out of every month to take a devotional, the Bible, and a newspaper to homebound elders. Now, when they first received the invitation, you know how young people are, especially in an age when we're separated by ages and stages. Ugh, I don't think I want to do that. But once they got involved, everybody couldn't wait to do it. And they came back talking about, oh, wow, she's really cool. I didn't know she liked some of the same music I do. Can you believe she actually danced when she was young? We learn something about ourselves, say the young people, and we learn something about others that are no longer sitting next to us. The connections to homebound elders, the connection to young people who are not sitting beside us, the connection to those who are differently abled is extremely important as a part of village life. Down in your bucket again. What had you already put there that you will do that will extend your connections to those that are among you and beyond the church? Put it back in. What will yet you do to make that extension a reality? In this age of emergent Christianity, it also seems to me that the village has something to do with mentoring. Now, we call it mentoring, but it really is spiritual companionship, where with our youth, we gather them, we connect with them, we commune with them, we guide them, we share with them, and we most of all listen to them and hear their stories. Let me tell you a story. One of the young men in the Youth Hope Builders Academy that I direct 
came to the summer residential program with heavy heart. His dad, in fact, died a couple of weeks before he came. We weren't quite sure he was going to make it through the four weeks of the residential program, which is a time apart with young people where we live together 24-7 for four weeks. But in his mentoring group called Heart to Heart, the mentors gave him special care. And the young people there who became his peer mentors loved on him, cared for him, nurtured him, supported him, heard his cries, and sat with him as he cried. At the end of the program, Senyo was his name, had a testimony to give. And when he came forward, he said, I cannot thank you enough for what you did for me. When my dad died, I really didn't want to come here because I'm an only child and I didn't want to leave my mom. But I'm glad I came because you cared for me. But then he said something very surprising. He said, you know, I was cared for, but when I heard the stories of others in my group, I began to think, things aren't so bad at all. I heard some stories worse off than mine, and I want to do something to make a difference in people's lives. Now, Senyo graduated from high school, went to college. During college, he volunteered in New York City, in Harlem. Then one summer, he became one of the people, the youngsters who was a part of, uh, attached to uh, one of the congressmen in Washington. And then he prepared to go to law school. Hmm. When we take spiritual companionship seriously, something powerful happens and the incarnational presence of Christ enters and speaks to young people about what their future is going to be like. Back in the bucket. What about mentoring or spiritual companionship? Have you already targeted that you will do? And what is yet to be done, whether in a small heart-to-heart -heart group individually, involving yourselves, or involving other members of the congregation or community. The congregation in this age that we now live in still has four key rhythms. Liturgy, education, service, Community, liturgy, liturgia, education, charisma, service, diaconia, community, koinonia. And in all of those rhythms, our young people must be an integral part, but they must feel welcome to do it. In South Africa, 
there is a word that is called saubona. Can you say it? Saubona. Saubona means welcome. And welcome simply is a way of expressing, you belong here. You belong in the liturgy. You belong in charisma. You belong in diaconia. You belong in koinonia. You are a part of all of this. Saubona. And because youth recognize that they are welcome, then the response is sikona. Say it. Sikona. Sikona. Which means, I am here. The question is, what are the ways that we welcome our young people? It is interesting to note that in many circumstances, youth are not a part of the community worship. I went to one congregation a couple of weeks ago, and the pastor, oh, he was so proud to show me a $2.8 million youth center. And in the youth center, it had everything imaginable closed-circuit TV, they had a computer lab, they had the classrooms, they had their own kitchen, they had a community center uh, where they gathered for all kinds of rec activities and so on. But then I asked the question, when do they worship? Oh, they worship once a month with the whole congregation. And my question simply was, do you think that's enough? How do we recognize and get the feeling of community and communion in our bones. Connection is one thing. Real communion is quite another. How do you do it? In the bucket, what have you already thought about? What yet will you do? Families today, parents are coming to me and coming to my leaders and saying, we really don't know how to do it. This is a different age. Would you teach us? And for Hope Builders, they often say, can't we have a Hope Builders Academy for us? And so it's important as part of the village work to help parents, to have forums for them. Forums which say, Christian parenting involves this. Christian parenting involves this kind of discipline. Christian parenting involves those liturgical, those liturgies, and those rituals that Phyllis talked about earlier. It's very important that parents know that they are a part of the lives of the young people, and they are part of the life of the church, and that part of the extension is for them. But when it's all said and done, my dear family and village members, we must get hold of all that we are doing that is absolutely spectacular and to what we can say, wow, this is wow ministry, and celebrate. Celebrate because of the extraordinary experience that God has called us into. Celebrate because we are given and entrusted with the lives of young people who surely God has a future of hope for. Celebrate because, just because we are, and God has given us a ministry that will help us to love God with all of our hearts and souls and minds and strength and our neighbors as ourselves. 
And my final story is this. A youth minister was celebrating the first anniversary of his ministry with youth. And everybody showed up, and everybody was excited, and lauding him and telling him all the good things that he had done. And then there were presentations of gifts. And one of the gifts was this huge bouquet of flowers. And he pulled out the card, and the card read, Our hearts go out to you during this difficult period in your life. May God comfort you in the hard journey ahead. He thought that was rather strange. But just as he put the card down, the doors pushed open rather briskly, and the florist came in, and seeing that he was just in the middle of putting that card down, did you read the card? And he said, well, yes. He said, oh, I'm so sorry. The card and the flowers were supposed to be for a funeral across town. And so the youth pastor said, well, what did the other card say? And he said, well, when they picked it up, it said, hallelujah, congratulations on your journey past and forward. Go forth, knowing we're with you all the way. <laughs> As we go forth from this place, may we not have mixed cards. May we go with the message, congratulations, hallelujah. Go forth on your journey, past and forward, knowing that we're with you all the way. The contents of this podcast episode are reproduced by permission of the presenter and Faith Forward under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivations Copyright. The Faith Forward podcasts are produced by Dave Sinis. Stay tuned for more episodes of the 2014 Faith Forward podcast series on the web at faith-forward.net. And join us in Chicago for the 2015 Faith Forward gathering April 20th through 23rd.